So in five, four, three, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to the 100th videotaping of the world's most popular TV show, The Great Gourmet. Please put your hands together for the show's host, world-renowned French chef, Felipe. And here he is with his chef's hat, big spoon, and his famous dance around the kitchen. Notice his moves with most ridiculously big motions. And listen closely as he speaks with his funny French accent as he quotes Bible verses. Oui, oui. What's the Bible verse? The Bible verse is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Notice the aroma. It will make your mouth water. But there's a warning. The great gourmet's delectable dishes have been known to make audiences drool. In fact, some have drooled a lot. Make sure you have some space between you, yourself, and the person next to you. No one wants a wet shoulder. However, if you notice, there are little tissues in the back of the seat in front of you, should you need one, you know, for drooling. Because, and I think I need one. <laughs> because this is the 100th videotaping of The Great Gourmet. Three lucky people from the studio audience will be joining us on stage at the table for this special meal. People have dreamed about just getting a taste just a taste from a delectable dish created by the great gourmet himself. Well, today, three lucky people's dreams will come true. Check under your seats, ladies and gentlemen, for the golden tickets. Oh, yes, under your seat. And look, there they are, three winners waving their golden tickets, standing up, excited to participate. As you can tell, they are all very wealthy. And look at them flashing their labels and posing in exaggerated supermodel poses while flirting with the camera. <laughs> and notice, as they arrive on stage, they sit at a special table prepared with member one, member number two, and member number three. <laughs> Here he comes. The great gourmet with a big dish for them. Wait! Is that audience member numbers one's phone ringing? I'm thinking it is. It is. <laughs> He's looking for his phone. Uh-oh. He stands up and he says, Get the microphone. <laughs> and he says, I am the boss. I'm the boss. Not you. Not you. Oh, he's looking at the chef. And he says, I'm a boss. I'm a boss. Of a million dollar company. Of a million dollar company. And I have to go fire. And I have to go fire. An arrogant employee. An arrogant employee. I think he means business because he's storming off the stage. <laughs> chef Felipe is leaping across the kitchen to regain his focus. Oh, no. 
Is that another phone ringing? It's kind of silent. Oh, yes, it is. This time, audience member two. She's standing up, very dignified looking. Listen, as she says, what? What? The stocks are rising? The stocks are rising? She is looking at the great gourmet and says with a snooty voice, I make lots of money. I make lots of money. And my internet stock? And my internet stock? Just went up. Just went up. I have to buy more. I have to buy more. 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 Before the market closes. Before the market closes. Oh, she's hurrying away. From this once-in-a-lifetime experience, there she goes. Oh, no. Chef Felipe, the great gourmet, is trying to serve his special meal. Oh, there's another sound. I think it's a text message. Look at audience member number three. It is a text message. She's looking at her text and says, oh, no. Oh, no. Today. Today. Right now. Right now. Now she's looking at the chef saying, there's a one-day sale. There's a one-day sale. At the mall today only. Mall today only. I have to go meet my besties. I have to go meet my besties. In the food court. In the food court. Ooh, sales. Oh, sales. I love sales. Gotta go. Ta-ta. Look at that girl go. The great gourmet looks at his empty table and quoted the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11:35. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He's beginning to cry. He's crying softly. But it's getting louder. And he's crying uncontrollable French accent and sobs. And his shoulders are beginning to shake up and down. It looks like he might be trying a new dance move. But here comes the camera person. She's trying to console the great gourmet. She's whispering into his ear. I think he's beginning to smile. Oh, he grabs his spoon. He's waving his big spoon. And with his French accent, he stands up and he shouts, This meal is for everyone. This meal is for everyone. Come and get it. Come and get it. As the camera person sees the stage about to be stormed, she yells, Cut, cut. Every audience member, except the three that left, will get to eat a feast created, cooked, and served by the great gourmet himself, Chef Felipe. <laughs> and I bet you all thought it was another spaghetti dinner announcement. I think I have this on. The Great Gourmet. What you just saw is called a melodrama. And we do this quite often in youth. But a melodrama always has a spiritual message. So if you will turn with me into your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. And we will start with verse 15. Luke 14.
Now when one of those who sat at the table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. Wow. That's what Jesus said. But what was he talking about? What was he really talking about? The master of the house, and symbolized by our French chef, is God. They represent God. The servant was like the cameraman, the Holy Spirit, who draws people to Jesus. The, the feast, the food, the babe in the manger is the bread of life. Jesus was the banquet. God, through the Old Testament and what Jesus was telling them, that God had called the prophets and gave the prophets His Word. John 1, 1 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the prophets were chosen in the Old Testament times to share the Word of God with the Israelites, God's chosen people, the ones that were invited to the banquet to feast off the Word of God that became flesh in the New Testament, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, the bread of life. They were called to feast, but they rejected the Word of God. They got caught up in other things of life, and and they asked to be excused. But what did those guests that we have here and the guests that were invited really represent? Think about it. God called the Israelites to be His chosen people to work through them, to do miracles through them, to show the rest of the world there is a God, the one and only living God, and you can have a relationship with Him. But how? You have to feast on His banquet. You have to feast on His Word. You have to feast on His Son, Jesus Christ. What our guests represented 
in today's world are people that have gone through the motion, so to speak, of asking Jesus to come into their heart. Yeah, I believe in God. Oh, but there's a sale at the mall today. I cannot go to that one special service that's at church because i got to be at that sale at the mall. I've got to take care of some business. So if I am able to get to church at this time, I will. If not, you know, there's other days. Maybe it's your devotion time. And the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you as you feast on the bread of life of your Bible. But the phone rings and we get easily distracted and we forget what we're supposed to be doing. But even a little deeper than that, I know we all know people that say they believe in God and never set foot in a church. They're not feasting on Christ. How can we have a relationship with a living God if we don't partake of His feast? of His meal. Guess what? Every single one of us in this room, in this building, has been invited by God the Father through a nudging on our heart's door of the Holy Spirit saying, come. Come to Jesus. Ask Jesus into your heart. If He's in your heart, if He's in your life, guess what people are going to see in your life? They're going to see evidence of the Almighty God. Through your language, and contestant number two's phone is ringing again. Through your language, through your actions, how you treat people, how you treat your family members, how you talk to one another. God can be evident in all of that. But only, only if you have feasted on His bread, on His Word. The woman at the well, we hear this story, and Jesus comes to this well, and it's a Samaritan woman, and he asks her to give him a drink of water. And she looks at him, who are you? You can't ask me to give you a drink. You're a Jewish person. I'm a Samaritan. We're like dogs to you. You you can't ask me for a drink. And he says, better yet, you ask me for a drink, and I will give you living water. What did he mean by that? He meant, commit your life to me. And I will make sure you have everything that you need for every storm that comes your way and every great day that you have. I will make sure you have everything that you need according to my riches and glory. And my father owns a thousand cattle, thousands of cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. It's all God's. And He allows us to enjoy His mercies and His grace. And all He asks us to do, come to my banquet. Come feast off my Son. Come learn the Word of God. Hide it in your heart so it might not sin against me. Take a stand for the truth. Wow. And the three that were invited that made excuses to leave has no part of the kingdom of God. Wow. 
we accept Christ into our life, and if we make excuses for not reading our Bible, for not going to church, for not fellowshipping with God's people, for not taking time to pray, not just before you go to bed, pray for every meal that you eat, pray when you get up in the morning, teach your children that God is real. When we don't do those things and we make excuses, what's going to happen when we stand before God? When our time on this earth is done and we haven't committed our life to Him other than through the Word, oh yeah, I believe in God. But our life doesn't show it. Our actions don't show it. Turn to your Bibles to Matthew Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on His throne of glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand and the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those in His right hand, Come, you blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick, or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And those will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Turn back to Matthew chapter 7. Starting with verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
the rains come down. We know the little song and the floods come up. The house on the sand falls apart, but the house that's built on the rock stood strong. What's God telling us? He's telling us we have to be committed to Him to get into heaven. Yeah, I know. We, we experienced, Dave and Roger experienced this on Friday night. They had received a phone call to go to this gentleman's house who has uh, fifth stage pancreatic cancer. He wanted to get saved. He had a Bible. He was reading his Bible. But he had never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. They were able to go and they, they ministered to him. They prayed with him. And he received Jesus as his Savior. Now, is he able right now, this very moment, to go out and minister to those in need? Or to share the gospel of Jesus? He can't walk. Every part of his body is in pain except his hands. Now, is he going to make it to heaven? Yes. Because he has committed the remaining part of his life to Jesus Christ and has prayed and asked God to use him in whatever way God sees fit in his last moments. And he's praising God for his new body that's at hand. But it comes down to those of us that are still capable of doing things and serving God in other areas of our life. We can't do it if we don't get into God's Word. But I want to encourage you, because we've experienced something here at the mill just a few weeks ago. And I got up and I said, I need the congregation to pray. We're looking at this possible pastor And we want to know God's will. And I ask for everyone to please be fervently praying that God will either open the door wide or He'll close that door because He knows who we need. And the door was closed. God heard your prayer. And He answered your prayer. The story of Mary and Martha. Jesus goes to visit And this is also found in Luke. Jesus goes to visit and Mary sits down and she's listening to everything Jesus has to say to her. And Martha, like many of us, I've got to get this put away. I've got to serve. I've got to make sure. Would you like cookies? Would you like coffee? Would you like tea? Would you like to stay for supper? And she says, Jesus, please, look, I'm trying to serve you. But Mary's just sitting there. Make her help me. And Jesus says, oh, Martha... You worry about many things, but Mary has chosen the greater, taking time to be with Jesus. Isn't it amazing that the God we serve is a living God that will take time with us? He will take time with you as an individual. He takes time with us as a congregation. And He says, come. Everybody. It doesn't matter if you can walk or not. It doesn't matter if you're the wealthiest person in the world. It doesn't matter if you don't even have two pennies to rub together. It doesn't matter if you have name brand clothes or you're wearing hand-me-downs. He says, come as you are. 
and feast at my banquet. You will never go thirsty. You will never go hungry when we feast on the bread of life. And what does he do when we feast with him? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sometimes we get caught up in everyday life and we forsake him. Praise God, it's not a one time and done thing. That we can, he can knock us in the head and say, hey, here I am. He's still there. He's still here. And we repent and say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to spend more time with you. And I know I hadn't planned on sharing this, but Dave, I've got to. (laughs) The devil, we need to recognize him because he's just as real as God. And he will attack us in any way, shape, or form that he can. And the best playground for the devil is right here in our thoughts. Yes, I believe with all my heart, when things start going bad and they don't seem to get better, I believe the devil has his foot or his hand or whatever else he's got in there to distract us from what we should be doing when things go bad. And the first thing we should do is pray and ask God to help us. I was battled yesterday beyond belief. (laughs) And it was silly. And it ended up becoming funny after it was all done. And the whole episode was just, we were at my parents, my puppy I bragged about, oh, he's doing well in his training, he's four months old, he sees a horse for the first time and he's gone. He just takes off over to their neighbors. And I try to take off, it's pouring down rain, I'm trying to make doggy treats for the cookie walk, you know. So I've got my apron on and my mom's helping me and I've got my nice material shoes on, comfy shoes for indoor And I'm out the door, off the deck, over, and there is that puppy enjoying his own feast of horse you-know-what. And I'm trying to get him to come through the fence, and of course he doesn't have a collar on. I get his attention with a ball, and he comes over, and I'm going to pull him through that fence, because now I'm getting angry, because he's not listening. And he lifts his head and takes a sniff of the air, and like a streak of lightning... He's gone underneath the other fence. He's out with horses. And he decides he's going to go visit. But you see, my puppy is bred to be a herding dog. And all I could see was he's going to get trampled. Lord, don't let him get trampled. I'm yelling and yelling, come, come. He's not coming. So now I'm really angry. What I should have done first, I did last. Because you know, there's power in the name of Jesus. And I yelled, and I know every neighbor around had to hear me because my throat hurt afterwards. But I yelled, in the name of Jesus, get back here now. And as soon as I said that, this white paper bag is right there in front of me. I pick it up and I'm rattling this bag. And it's getting dark, and I can't see very well in the dark. Everything blends together. But I could see white. I saw this big horse's head turn and look my direction. He had a white blaze. I knew it was the horse because it was up high. And then I saw these little white feet hop, 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 hop through the field. And they're coming back to me. And I am just, I'm thanking God, but I am still so angry. So he scoots under the fence and where does he go back to his feast? 
But now I'm soaking wet because I landed in the stuff when I jumped over the fence. It's in my shoes, it's up my pants, it's on my apron. And I am angry. And I grab this 50-pound pooch and I'm trying to carry him on my hip and I'm scolding him as he tried to get away before and I, I had to pin him to the ground to pick him up. And I get him to the deck and I am wore out and I can't go up those steps carrying this dog, so I'm pushing him up the steps. And I'm scolding him the entire time. And I'm angry. I missed the fact that I didn't realize what was happening. The devil knew today was taking place. And the devil was trying to distract me to the point, if he could trip me up and get me to sin that I would feel unworthy to be here today. We got in the house. We're trying to get cleaned up. Mom gets me some clothes to put on. My wedding rings were in my pants pocket. I forgot about them until I was folding up my pants to throw them in the wash. And I saw something gold and shiny on the floor, and it was my wedding band. The diamond was gone. I called Dave, because he and my dad was out, and I'm like, Dave, I'm sorry. This is what's happened, and I lost my wedding ring. And Dave says, it's okay. It can be replaced. It's material. I'm not going to leave you. You still got me, but I don't have my ring. That didn't help. (laughs) And I started feeling angry. And you know what? I I even kind of, the thought came in my head, why do you think God's going to help you with this? It was your stupid fault. You put him in your pants pocket to begin with. That's the devil. And you know what Dave said to me when I was telling him all of this stuff? Dave says, honey, look. Look at what you're doing tomorrow. Look at how you've been studying what you've been doing. You've got your, your end of the Word of God. And Satan doesn't want you to share it. He's going to do anything in his power to keep you from it. Look at what it is. Look at what's going on. So here's my mom and I. Now we've got the couch tore apart. I'm crawling on my hands and knees all through the living room. Got my light on my phone. Looking for my ring. We're praying, Lord, help us find the ring. We couldn't find it. My mom, bless her heart, puts her raincoat on, gets a big old flashlight. It's dark now. She's outside retracing all my steps. Except she thought it would be wise not to climb the fence and land in the horse too. And so every little sparkle of rain on the leaves, she thought was my ring. Fifteen minutes later, she's not back. I'm getting worried. So I holler outside, don't, don't worry about it. It's cold. It's raining. Don't worry about it. Just come on in. Only God knows where it is. And we prayed again. I heard a noise. I go in the living room. I step on something. I turn back around and there's my diamond. Right in the path where we have walked. We have crawled over. We even took a broom and was sweeping to make sure it didn't get caught in the carpet. And there it was. And all I could do was start to cry. I said, oh God, that's you. That's you. You're looking out for us, no matter what, even in the little things. And I thought, wow, what do we need today? What do we need today? And Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. We feed on the Word of God. We go to Him for everything, from a missing ring to a dog that's running off. I should have said, Lord, bring my dog back first. (laughs) 
I bet I wouldn't have landed in the horse, you know. I'd have, it'd have been all right. But God allows things to happen in our life sometimes to get our attention. He allows, this is the part I have a hard time understanding, He allows the devil to interfere with us, to test us, to see do we really believe? Do we really believe in God the Father? Do we really believe in Jesus Christ? Do we really believe in Him and in His power? Do we? Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the whole armor of God because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darknesses and high places. And I said to Dave as we were talking, I said, yeah, but you know what? I said, there's people that think that those are two separate things. We, we wrestle in the spiritual realm, but the physical realm has no relationship. It is totally connected and intertwined. It is. It, there's evidence around us. Listen to the TV. The devil is at work. That spiritual wickedness in high places coming to light. The city of Dover taking down their manger scene because of a crazy group called freedom from religion. Where's the backbone? When God's Word says, after you have done everything, stand. He doesn't say, back down and let them walk all over you, those who are evil. He says, stand. What are we standing on? The Word of God. The bread of life. How can we stand on it if we don't partake of it? We have to know it to stand on it. So what are we doing? We look around and we can see all this crazy stuff happening. And what's the first thing we do? It's not usually pray. It's, oh, that is just terrible. Who's got the backbone on city council? Who is, who's the one that, that's a yellow belly, so to speak? Just sit down and let these people from another state come in and tell us how we're supposed to run our town. We complain a lot. When the first thing we should do is recognize, where did it come from? The devil. Who created freedom from religion? The devil. How did he do it? He put something in somebody's head, letting them know they don't need God. And therefore, no one else needs him either. So let's create this organization. It came straight from the devil. And those people who believe that are lost. And our great God is even inviting them to His banquet to show them it's not religion. Christianity, whether you hear it on TV, they call it a religion. It is not a religion. A religion is something that you go through the motions and you do certain things certain ways, but it's not for a living God. Christianity is to be Christ-like because He is alive and He is well and He tells us put on His armor, get His Word in our heart so we might not sin against Him and stand firm. Don't back down because greater is He that is in you than He that is in this world. That freedom from religion group, the ACLU and all these other anti-Christian groups that are out there, Why should we fear what they can do to us? We need to fear the one that can destroy it all. And that's God. But yet so many people back down. 
and let things go. But I want to encourage you, because here at Bars Mills Church of God, God answered a collective group prayer and shut the door where it needed to be closed in our search. He heard your prayer. And He answered your prayer. And if He does it with that, He'll do it with every other part of your life. Yes, I have prayed over and over that God would heal my eyes. I cannot see in dim lighting. Right now, most of you don't have a face. So I'm not so nervous as I used to be because I can't see your face very well. I just see dark spots, you know? And I have prayed that God would heal my eyes, heal my eyes, heal my eyes. I've had seven surgeries on my eyes. And I would get angry with God because I felt He didn't listen. And it wasn't too long ago when God says, No, I didn't heal your eyes when you wanted it. But are you still going to serve me anyway? Wow. And I say, yes. Lord, I will serve you whether I have eyesight or not. Because I know this life is temporary. And you promise that you're creating a place for me in, in your heaven. That where you are, I will be there one day too. And I'm going to keep serving you. And I'm going to thank you, God, for the healing I'm going to get. If I don't get it in this life, I know it's coming. And I praise God for that day. I praise Him for that. But I'm going to keep serving Him. And I want to encourage you today that no matter what you're going through, no matter what comes your way, don't give up on God because He's not giving up on you. He tells you to stand. You stand firm on what you know. You hold on to this Word of God. We've got those groups going around taking down the Ten Commandments and the Nativity sets. Guess where they're heading next? Right here. They've already started with the NIV Bible through Harper Publications removing anything related to the Holy Spirit and homosexuality. It's out of there. It is no longer in the NIV Bible. Yes, it recently happened, two years ago. What are we doing? The devil is real. We have to bind together as saints of God and get that effective, fervent prayer going and watch this world change. Because God will answer. And He will put a stop to these people. When they go to come against the saints of God, the true saints of God, they're going to fall. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the children of God. Because greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. And I want to encourage you. You have Jesus living in your heart. Start feasting on His promises. Because the journey is exciting. All He has is good for us, even in the midst of the storms. So what Satan has tried to do and tried to destroy, it's up to us to say, God, I believe in You. I believe in Your Son, Jesus. I believe no weapon formed against me will prosper. And I'm going to stand on that. And I'm going to fight on my knees. And I am going to pray that effective, fervent prayer that availeth much. And God will answer. He will answer. And He is answering you today. Every need that you have, 
He wants to supply. Every question in your mind, He wants to answer. Every doubt, every fear, every worry, He wants to take it. Just like He told Martha, you worry about many things, but Mary has chosen the greater to take time to spend with Jesus. That is the only way we're going to see things change for the better in our own individual lives as well as the world around us when we take time and feast on Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, our gracious Heavenly Father, as we come before You right now, Holy Spirit, I know You have stirred our hearts. But Lord, I thank You. I thank You. Open our eyes so we can see You more clear. Open our eyes so we can recognize when Satan is on the attack because he tries to blind us with his lies. So Lord, open our eyes so we can see clearly what is going on, what this spiritual wickedness and high places that we're really wrestling against. Let us recognize it so we know how to pray. Draw us close to You. Give us a desire to know You more and to see Your miracles take place in each of our lives. Oh, Lord God, You are awesome. And You have a plan for us as individuals and a plan for our families and a plan for this country. So here we are, Lord, coming humbly before You. Teach us to serve You and reach out to those that need You and to pray for those who are fighting against You right now for they are lost souls. Live in us, be evident in us, that where we go, people will recognize You and they can't say anything against You because You are greater. And we thank You for it. In Jesus' name, Amen.